0: Last week, the world watched as rescuers from across the globe searched for a tiny submersible. It had disappeared, carrying five people on a dive to the wreck of the Titanic. That search turned out, sadly, to be in vain. The craft is believed to have imploded, killing everyone on board. The intersection of design, engineering, and human risk-taking is a recurring theme throughout modern history. One of the finest chroniclers of those tales was Henry Petrosky, who died earlier this month at the age of 81. He was a professor of engineering and history at Duke University, and he appeared on this program many times. In 2012, Ira Flato spoke to the late Professor Petrosky about engineering failures and humanity's follies.
1: My next guest says that it's important to look at structural failures, whether we are talking about the sinking of the Titanic, a space shuttle disaster, a smartphone malfunction. Look at them in in a larger context as a system that includes people who both maintain and use the structure. Dr. Henry Petrosky is the author of To Forgive Design, Understanding Failure. He's professor of civil engineering and history at Duke University. He joins us from Durham, North Carolina. Welcome back to Science Friday, Henry. It's always good to have you. Thank you, Ira. It's always good to be here. You must be getting a lot of questions about the 100th anniversary of the sinking of the Titanic, about whose yes. fault it really was.
2: Well, that's very difficult to pin down to one or two people. This is a system. This is a, a big ship, a big piece of machinery going out into waters that are, are dangerous uh, with a lot of people on board with insufficient lifeboats. There are so many dimensions to the Titanic story, and I think that's one of the reasons that we keep hearing new things about it, and, and we sometimes change our minds about what we think. One thing seems to me to be sure, and that is that the ship was, was marketed as unsinkable, and as we know, that was simply not, not true at all. The chances of hitting an iceberg were, were slim. Let's just say for the sake of argument that the chance of hitting an iceberg was one in a million, and everybody may have known that, uh, at least implicitly. That doesn't tell you when an iceberg is going to be hit. It could be hit on the first one in a million sailings or the last. Things like probability are are funny. They they don't give us very precise ideas about what's going to happen or when it's going to happen. In the case of the Titanic, the uh, fact is that there were some overconfidence hubris involved on the part of the uh, captain who... uh, had uh, the ship going, trying to uh, break a speed record, whereas uh, he was going through waters that were were dangerous and known to be dangerous. He had been warned about about icebergs, so it was a, a concatenation of of all these things that came mm-hmm. together, uh, some chance, some
1: deliberate. And, and you know, a lot of this seems to be the theme of your book. That, yes, that there are a lot of things going on here. Give me some examples of other great failures that you that we have to understand the design and the failure.
2: Well, uh, you were talking with uh, the people up in the s- uh, space station. I talk about NASA failures with the uh, space shuttle, and mm-hmm. these are, are familiar. Uh, these are, are examples that are not unlike the Titanic, actually. Uh, the Challenger was was not an accident that was not foreseen. The, the engineers warned the managers that uh, it was a little too cold to uh, launch that ship on that day with a complete confidence that it would return and uh, they were proven to be right. The seals had been leaking, the engineers knew that, and they expected that they would be leaking on that day too. The uh, Columbia, which uh, came back in uh, 2003 and disintegrated upon re-entry, there were also warnings about that, questions of uh, foam flying off the external tank and uh, hitting the uh, shuttle as uh, as it took off, as it launched from Earth. The engineers again said, well, you know, some of that debris has hit the shuttle's wing and uh, we really should investigate it to see whether it's been damaged uh, terribly or not and whether we should have to repair it. But uh, again, Mm -hmm. uh, basically management overruled the engineers and uh, had an overconfidence. Mm The difference between the perspective of managers and and engineers with regard to safety and failure is is very, very interesting. Before the shuttle missions uh, took off, The engineers were asked what did they think the likelihood was that there would be a failure of the kind that we now know happened. The engineers said, oh, about one in a hundred. The managers, on the other hand, uh, predicted one in a hundred thousand. Now, that's quite a difference. And we know uh, that the engineers were proven to be right.
1: I'm Ira Flato, and this is Science Friday from WNYC Studios. Tell us the Brooklyn Bridge story that I thought was also fascinating about Roebling, who sort of built in extra stuff. He, he built in that's, a that's, safety factor into the bridge.
2: That's right. What responsible engineering does is it specifies uh, the quality of the materials that go into a structure like the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, in in the case of the, that bridge, uh, the Roeblings owned their that ran their own uh, wire making factory and, uh, they would have liked to have provided the wire for the bridge's cables because they would have had a high level of confidence that it was high quality. But, uh, on a basis of a business decision, the board of directors said, no, 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 you can't, uh, use your own wire. You're the engineer. It's a conflict of interest. So the contract for the wire went to someone else who Roebling warned was not a good producer of wire. Well, uh, Everything seemed to be going going fine until one day after many deliveries of these reels of of wire, it was discovered that there seemed to be some bad wire getting into the bridge's cables. And how was that happening? Because every uh, shipment of wire was tested before it was passed on uh, to go ahead and be put into the bridge. Well, it turned out that the wire supplier was not only had bad workmanship, but also uh, had bad morals, and the rejected wire was snuck into the construction site, and it found its way into the bridge. Well, Robley, this was Washington Robley, his uh, decision was crucial at this point. What would he do? Would he take all the bad wire out? Now, that would not only cost time and money, but it would also be very dangerous for the, for the workers. What he decided to do was estimate to the best of his knowledge how much bad wire was actually in the bridge, already. And then he added additional wire beyond what was originally designed to be in the bridge of high quality and uh, completed the project that way. To this day, that bad wire is is in the bridge.
1: So if you're going to buy it, beware. (laughs)
2: Get get a discount.
1: (laughs) You know, we've talked about the Titanic a bit, but you have a really interesting take on an aspect no one has talked about uh, when we talk about the sinking, and that is what would have happened if the Titanic did not sink? Yes, that's a very interesting thought experiment, I think. Uh, If the
2: Titanic had not sunk, and in fact if it had reached New York and then went back and forth across the Atlantic many times, the likely result of that would have been uh, in my opinion, that competing steamship companies would have wanted to better the, uh, the Titanic. They would have wanted to build larger ships, uh, faster ships. They would have wanted to build them more economically to uh, make more profit. They would have probably used thinner and thinner steel over time. They might have put fewer rivets in. They would have maybe wanted to get rid of lifeboats altogether because after all, the Titanic was unsinkable. We're following the design of the Titanic, only we're making it bigger and better. Eventually, chances are one of those uh, ships would have struck an iceberg or had some kind of incident in the ocean and uh, since it had all the inherent flaws of the titanic it would have, would have sunk and probably because it was bigger with a greater loss of life uh, this is what happens with the uh, cycles of, of success and mm. failure when we have a success a prolonged period of success uh, we uh, tend to become more complacent we tend to uh, become overconfident that uh, we're doing it right uh, we've got it figured out finally and then, of course, a failure occurs and, and wakes, us, wakes us up out of our dream. The failure, the wake-up call, then causes us to look mm-hmm. more closely at what we've been doing. And we discover that, in fact, uh, we haven't been building perfect machines or systems. We've been building them with inherent flaws.
1: Is, is there one system, bridge, tunnel, anything that's waiting to fail that you can warn us about?
2: I think uh, the, the history of, of bridges is very interesting. Over the past century and a half or so, there's been a major bridge failure about every 30 years. Uh, so uh, right now, we're looking ahead to about the year 2025, 2030, oh, not too much more than a decade from now. There. If things follow as they uh, have proceeded in the past, uh, we can expect uh, some kind of big surprise. It'll be a bridge type that uh, hasn't failed before, it'll it'll be something that will seemingly come out of the blue but then in retrospect looking at it and fitting it into the pattern it's something we we will say oh we should have seen that that coming
1: so it'll be a combination of human error and design error
2: yes uh, generally that's that's right uh, you could you could almost say that that a design error is a human error because after mm-hmm. all it's it's we humans who do the designing
1: yeah, I recall I I covered Three Mile Island that nuclear accident many you know 1979, and the investigation showed such a combination of of design and human errors there.
2: Yes, that that's a fairly typical. Most uh, systems, most uh, machines, structures are are designed to be somewhat robust, so that if uh, some little thing uh, goes wrong, the whole thing doesn't fall apart all of a sudden or blow up or anything like that. But uh, then when humans uh, react to this uh, small irregularity, they they sometimes make it awfully worse.
1: Henry, I want to thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. It's a fascinating book. It's To Forgive Design, Understanding Failure. It talks about all kinds of engineering designs and famous failures and uh, Henry Petrosky's unique way of looking at them and explaining it. Thank you, Henry. Good luck with the book. Thank you, Ira. Thank you. Bye-bye. <laughs>
0: Ira Flato in 2012, talking with Henry Petrosky, who died earlier this month at the age of 81. Our condolences to his friends and his family.